0: I always am playing with the mic. I never know exactly where I want it.
1: So can you speak then?
2: I can speak. Hey. 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 Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Hey, Hey Shane. Hey, Shane. Hey, Shane. Uh, Uh, Yeah. So, uh, guys, uh, my mom brought Rice Krispie Treats. Excuse me.
0: I'm running this interview. Um, Mr. Shane. Mr. Robinson. Um, First of all, I'd I'd like to thank you for being here.
2: Uh, It's my pleasure. It's kind of tough to come out on a school night. So he's two. He's two.
0: So... uh, I know that you, you got a quick call-up from the Little League Rotary All-Stars straight directly to the New York Yankees. What was that process like for you?
2: Well, you see, it's hard because on the days that my mom was supposed to bring snacks for the Rotary team, she still has to bring snacks for the players on the Yankees. Now, that's kind of stressful. Also, I had a really nice nice mustache going, uh, and I had to shave that off because it kind of came down. Actually, it really only grew in like right here.
0: So I, I heard I heard some 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 uh kind of some behind the scenes action about uh a kind of a special relationship that your your family, namely your mom, had developed with John Carlos Stanton. Could you speak to that and how like well, really some of the Yankees have become almost part of your own family in a way?
2: They, they really have. They really have. The the organization, straight down from the Steinbrenners all the way down to the grounds crew, they all seem to spend a lot of time in my mom's bedroom.
0: So, um, again, kind of in a similar theme, I think it's about time for us to move on from that. But uh, do you typically call him Giancarlo? I call him Mike. Mike or, or Big Stick Mick?
2: Big Stick Mick. So hi, welcome back. Uh, I'm Andrew Alden, uh, and you are? And I'm
0: Evan, and uh, we're coming to you live from, from Detroit. It's uh, Saturday, Wednesday night.
2: Yeah, live from Detroit, it's Wednesday night. It's, Wednesday it's Saturday, night.
0: monthly sure.
2: Yeah. Oh. Uh, and uh, welcome back. So this is uh, our ongoing podcast, Small Brains Big Picks. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, you gotta give a fact about yourself, Evan. It's tradition.
0: Oh yeah. I... Um Am a resurgent saxophonist who's trying to bring that back and trying to get my get my hands around that baby every once in a while. Um, and so you can hold me to that now. I'm trying to trying to bring my chops back. Can if we they ever can we existed. expect
2: a sax feature on the podcast? Uh, without a doubt, you cannot. Okay, well, good 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 <clears throat> going. Yep. Uh, uh, way to way to uh, gaslight us there about right. that. Uh. Uh, so I'm Andrew, I am currently bringing back using legal pads in my life, a legal pad had taken a long absence, but if anyone mm-hmm. knows anyone, yellow legal pads were a main fixture in our childhood growing up, and I'm bringing them back to my life.
0: Don't sleep on the white ones either, uh, legal pads in general.
2: Yeah, big, big. great, yeah, you just take that piece of paper, you wrap it around. <sighs> also, the number one way to keep track of strat games.
0: Yeah, that's another story for another time. Yeah,
2: we can't we can get into strat. Well, the strat episode special. it's all we'll talk about. <laughs> Emergency strat episode.
1: <laughs> We're gonna have some fun tonight. All
2: right, let's start the starting nine. Evan, beautiful. Away. Um, oh, right, I'll
0: hit you with with four back to back, and then you can hit me with yours. Um, first of all, um, so. I I had heard kind of through the grapevine, I've got some sources that uh, I won't name, of course, that Mm -hmm. mentioned to me that there was a a Red Sox and Yankees series, I guess it's a baseball, it's a sports thing, Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't able to catch any of the games. Could you you pass on to me
2: what kind of occurred? Oh, so uh, the Red Sox, despite winning Mm -hmm. 108 games, which is a lot in baseball, Mm -hmm. uh, 108 out of 162, uh, they were considered the underdog, and everyone... Uh, we're looking at you, Baseball Tonight podcast, had yeah. the uh, Yankees uh-huh. winning the uh, series in four. Uh, it turned out the Yankees lost in four, including being completely embarrassed at home, 16-2, to which was so sweet.
0: It was beautiful, a beautiful thing. I lied to you when I said I didn't watch. It uh, um, so the NBA season kicked off yesterday. You've mentioned to me you want to be a, a bigger kind of basketball and specifically Celtics follower this year. Right. Um, how's that going for Passed you? Pass me
2: the basketball. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> two hands. Two hands. Oh. Uh So so far, I I've been reading about the Celtics on on the regular, and Bleacher Report's been great. It's amazing. I I wonder if this is what how people feel. I mean, I I don't have zero knowledge of basketball, right? Right. Right. Um, but it's interesting to kind of feel like I don't know who the the good players are. I mean, I know who the like the top, maybe. St- 10 players in the sure. basketball top seven players are but it's interesting to get updates about who a lot of my information is going to be coming from like espn and bleacher report so it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to kind of like see what that's like mm-hmm. uh getting knowledge there so i'm excited for basketball season but we're, we're deep in the postseason for baseball so right as am i
0: it's hard to be excited about both at the same time well, i'll save sure. my excitement for the celtics uh, kind of on the day the world series ends
2: um Though that was... We, yesterday we watched the Celtics. We here. did.
0: I, I will watch occasionally, but yeah. just not the same enthusiasm. Um, I don't have the energy for it. Um, all right, number three. Uh, so, uh, the WWE's great, great Royal Rumble, number two, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, um, despite some, um, some controversy of recent, some alleged assassination um, allegations, um, is the, the WWE is still a go? Um,
2: what are your thoughts? Violence begets violence, right?
0: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I was kind of thinking myself that um, given that it's kind of almost proven that these Saudis, uh, Saudi officials, brought a bone saw into the embassy to disassemble this journalist that. Um, it may have actually been an, an intentional marketing ploy, right? Right,
2: and I, and bonesaw. I, 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 bonesaw. I mean, no disrespect, but bonesaw is a great WWE, great
0: name. WWE name. I think it's either I a, think it's all a either a campaign. horrific assassination or a great marketing game. And Khashoggi's going to get an excellent WWE payoff and exclusive coverage.
2: Right, I think it's I think it's uh, it's a match made in heaven. Both of them are backwards in their thinking and their ideology, and they both worship false gods. Like Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump. Um. All right.
0: Um. And finally, Andrew. So Halloween's coming up. It's right around the corner. Um. You're not always known as the most crazy festive person. But what you wearing?
2: Uh. I will. I will continue my tradition of 28 years. Oh no. Let me. Let's just 24 years in running of being a pedestrian <laughs> on Halloween. Uh. How about you? What are you wearing?
0: You know, I I asked the question, but I I really don't know. I'll probably continue my tradition of wearing something that gives me. Plausible deniability, where I have a, a back story, but I don't have to do a whole heck of a lot in terms of preparation. Uh, I did so. say
2: 28 years running. There was one year where I took a white t-shirt and drew F.E. on it, and I went as Iron Man. Great, great.
1: I was there for that.
0: <laughs> All right, you're a- another
2: with- county here from. Okay. In- Today in game five of the NLCS, uh, Wade Miley pitched to exactly one batter before taking out with the thought that, it would disrupt the Dodgers game plan. I know now that it looks like the Dodgers are going to win this game, but what, do you th- what are your thoughts on Wade Miley facing one batter? Right.
0: I have mixed feelings about this. So this whole, this kind of, and I could talk for too long about this, but this birth of, you know, over-analysis and heavy reliance on statistics and that most moves are coming from the front office more than the manager, um, I get it, and and I almost would be willing to admit that it's probably right, and it probably wins more games because they have all this analysis. But I just, as someone who played baseball my whole life, I just, I'm like, how are you gonna, I, how are you gonna take out a great pitcher in the fifth whoa, inning? Whoa, 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 Wade Miley. Well, I'm not talking Wade Miley. This situation, you know, is super over the top. But I'm talking about a more like moderate situation of taking out a pitcher in the fifth inning who has shown year after year before this big statistical evolution that he could go deep in seven and he's your guy and he can pitch, but your statistics show that this guy's got a three oh seven average in eight appearances against your guy and you've got a reliever who's struck him out eight times. Like Well it's also I just, a, yeah. I, there's a human aspect to the game of like ride with your guy. Yeah, that well, that's I, that's gone. Yeah, I think that
2: doesn't exist anymore. Which and maybe may this will be a conversation that we'll have when the Cy Youngs come out because mm-hmm. this could be a deeper dive, considering who might win the Cy Young in the NL. Right. I also uh, know as you as we
0: speak that Kershaw was um, would have pitched into the eighth had they not just had a big seventh inning. So right, um, they kind of rode with their guy on that one.
2: Right, right, and it, it does cut both ways for sure. Right. All right, so uh, Canada has legalized marijuana and is the second state in the first state in North America to do so. I think it's the first state in North America. I don't know what the first state, the first country was. Well, there's only three. I think it they, would be the first.
1: They legalize recreational use of marijuana.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, just I mean, Canadians are always so uptight and angry and you know can never just calm down and relax and say things like, Oh, hey, what you know about maple syrup? So I'm looking forward to now with the use of Marijuana that you can hear more of that because they're always they're, they're known they're as edgy. such an excitable people, edgy people. Edgy, right? yeah, they're so really edgy. I think it's gonna be big changes for the Canadians.
2: Um, okay. Dwayne Rain has started his final season in the NBA. Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh
0: Dwayne Wade. Um he's a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Uh I think that's almost a non discussion. I think uh I've had a, a discussion last time I was at the barber shop, which doesn't happen too often, but the, mm-hmm. there was kind of a debate over where he falls in terms of shooting guards and uh, my barber wanted to put him at like third all-time in shooting guards which to me instantly felt ridiculous kind of through long conversation it's it's not too far from the truth i mean it depends it's all like all these debates how much do you count winning and how much do you count statistics and how much do you count longevity and how much do you count like wow factor in terms of just in an individual game Mm -hmm. how much would the guy blow your mind Dwayne Wade's got some of those things more than others. Well, he Uh, definitely has winning. Guaranteed Hall of Famer, guaranteed winner. Um, Sometimes wow factor, definitely had some clutch moments in his career. Um, I'd like to say he doesn't stack up to the top, top shooting guards ever, Mm -hmm. but um, without names in front of me, I don't know where I put him, but without a doubt, a Hall of
2: Famer. Okay, so 14 years ago, Dave Roberts stole a base. What does that mean to you? Dave Roberts. I mean, w- no, not <clears throat> we're not trying to be crypto. I'm not trying to be crypto here. Right. It's it's in game four of the ALCS. Yes. Dave Roberts stole second base with I think one out, and mm-hmm. um, set in a lot Which of set months, in motion. Set in motion the, the greatest, greatest come- comeback in the history of sports. Yes, right. By the yep. Red Sox. I have, can you see the
0: goosebumps? Yeah, yeah. I have no. goosebumps. You even talk about it. Um, you i mean know, it gets... i'm glad i didn't wear sweatpants tonight let's just say yeah that. yeah. Um, so i mean it's it says a lot and uh dave roberts you we were just talking about how or maybe i was talking about this with someone else but i think you and i were just talking about how great would it be if dave roberts threw out the first pitch in a red Sox uh dodgers <laughs> world series given that he's now their manager you know knock on knock on wood right uh, that'd, be, that'd be major but no move. it means everything he's he did absolutely nothing else for the Red Sox, but he is forever a Red Sox legend for that one moment where he ran ninety feet and got there faster than a baseball.
2: And it was a close play; it probably would have gone to review Super in this day and age. Play. Yeah. Um, I, I occasionally I watch Four Days in October, especially when baseball season's actually ramping up, like when baseball season's about mm-hmm. to start, like spring training's not underway. I would, definitely will give at least three quarters of uh, Four Days in October a watch. And man, every time I watch that, I I I remember you. Or maybe asleep, but it's you, me and Dad in the living room. I remember it was like it was yesterday and it gives me it gives me goosebumps to think about.
0: I definitely remember the, the Menkevich the Toss to Menkevich. I yeah. don't know that I remember the Robert Steele. I may have been asleep for that one. I'm not hundred percent sure. But I was awake for most of the comeback and I was definitely awake for for the toss to Menkevich. Yeah I will never
2: forget that. Yeah. katrice okay, what's yours?
1: In classic Florida fashion. An alligator was found at a gas station. If this happened to you, what would you do?
0: So that's a really difficult question because I don't – so we had a grill at my last place, and we don't have a grill anymore. <laughs> um, I'd i think say it's that I'd go for comes, like a broil. You go um, for a
2: broil? A broil, but – We're just, talking about a live alligator. Right. R- okay. Right, you've got to catch it. Um <laughs> Well, let me jump in here since you didn't need yeah. time. So like catching any good Pokemon, you have to lower its hit points to a level where it won't resist. I think you go you go like a couple of tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming it's a water-based Pokemon, so no thunder attacks. And then you just use a great ball and just hope for the best. I'm
0: so happy you jumped in there because uh, I already know I, I'm a, a bystander for many of the times that my roommate Michael watches this, this kind of blogger talk about pokemon go and so i've learned quite a bit through kind of secondhand but without a doubt i I call michael ask him to come by and give me the best tips because he knows better than anyone else that i know
2: because everyone knows uh, dealing with a real live alligator is the same as dealing with a cartoon creature
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah duh okay all right cool so that brings us to the end of our starting nine um what's our first topic today evan
0: Our, our first topic you you so humbly and uh, eloquently named and have been pushing for for a long time is Baseball So Honky. Why has why baseball become, uh, and we don't want to disregard how much of a Latino sport it also is, but um, in the U.S., in many parts of the U.S. that don't have Latino population, why has baseball become such a white
2: sport when that was not always true? Uh, definitely historically it's not true. You find a great sound clip which we'll play here.
1: Where should we start? Man, what a brain. Wow. Just call me Einstein. In 1981, there was 18.7% black African-American players in the major leagues. As of 2018, 7.8%. So you see the rapid decline of the physical space in the Bronx, in Chicago, in these other uh, urban areas, Which leads to what? Lack of participation. Suburbanization, Canton says, had a similar effect, drawing resources away
2: from cities with large African-American populations.
1: What's left in the cities? Abandoned fields, lack of resources, decrease in tax base.
2: And then there's incarceration, Canton says, which has a disproportionately high impact on
1: African-Americans. So I can imagine 1980, if you were 18 year old black man in L.A., Chicago, New York, all of a sudden you're getting locked up for nonviolent offenses. So I'm going to assume that you played baseball. I'm arguing that those men, if you did a survey and go to prison today, federal, state, I bet you a nice percentage of these guys played baseball. Now, some were not old enough to have children. And the one that did weren't there to teach their son to play baseball to volunteer in Little League because they were in jail for nonviolent offenses. Add it all up, David Canton says. And this explains the huge decline of African-Americans in baseball, which, by the way, has been countered by a huge rise in players from Latin America.
2: So with that that clip in mind, um, thinking about, uh, you know how football, a sport we don't, we're not talking about, and to clarify again, we're not talking about on-field activity, we're not talking about tackles or wins yeah, or losses yeah, yeah. we're not ta- we're just talk we're just kind of casting aside sure. what well, we are t- what i am saying like there's a big outspoken moment like this is the big controversy of football right is this outspoken thing baseball what maybe two players one player that i can think of has has yeah, kneeled for the national anthem
0: or made you know kind of fostered any sort of protest
2: right um, and when i go to baseball games and i go to a lot of baseball games I personally don't ever stand for the national anthem. I just think it's kind of asinine, of and yeah. I also we often
0: a... are at games together, and neither of us do, and we both often keep our hats on. And
2: and I make a point of seven innings later taking off my cap and standing for the for yeah, the, take, take me, me out to the the ball, ball game. Ball game. Yeah. But um, I think it's a problem. I think and wait, <sighs> what are our reactions generally to that? You get at least one
0: cranky waspy white lady who, hey, take your hat off, you know?
2: caps, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> per game. At least one Caps gentleman. Um,
2: I think that that baseball has a problem on its hands to be quite frank. I think that the best athletes, they're not going to get the best athletes in the world and as that clip indicates, they're not they're also getting athletes that are not from every walk of life. I mean are you telling me that like some of the greatest baseball players of all time didn't come from like humble beginnings like or right. you know I mean so
0: Right, and, and and not to cut you off, but go, the, go, the humble beginnings piece, I think, speaks to one half of this this story, um, which is, as that clip indicated, that kind of pay to play model, um, mm-hmm. that I think is is really harmful and exists in other sports. You know, it's huge in hockey, um, and in other sports, you know, basketball training, like, plays a big role for sure. Sure, but. Um, this pay-to-play model kind of making it a socioeconomic divide is, is really serious, you know. Um, we didn't have, like, the economic barrier, but just where we lived and the fact that we weren't, like, wealthy enough to send kids off to Florida for private training, like, definitely limited. We weren't going to be good baseball players with the three months of average Little League in in Vermont when it was finally warm, no matter how talented we were necessarily – Um, so the, the pay to play model and that kind of divide based on money, um, I think is part of the story.
2: Well, yeah. And, and to use our ourselves as an example or our, where we grew up in Vermont, there's definitely people in and around people who went to our high school. I'm thinking, I'm not gonna say their names here, but people who I'm thinking of that were like in your kind of more so from your time period at, at our school than my time period Mm -hmm. that definitely spent their parents were wealthier and they spent a lot of money to like foster their kids to like go off and go to baseball training camps in new Mm. york or or florida or texas or places to like really give them some extra special help and they were the best baseball players at our high school but they it was not like and we weren't poor by any means um but like there's definitely like oh we can spend a few thousand dollars uh uh every couple of months to send person off to our our son off mm-hmm. to go get some special training from, like, you know, somebody that played five years of A catcher or, five you know, somebody that right. had a glass of water in the major leagues.
0: Right. Um, and, I mean, so I think that's a great kind of um, beginning of a conversation about the the harmfulness of the pay-to-play model and the economic divide that that creates. Mm-hmm. I think the other part of the the central issue we're kind of centering on, it's repetitive, um, of baseball becoming so white um as well as Latino, which I think is a different conversation. Also is interesting that like the same decline hasn't happened there is, I think has a lot to do with this chicken and the egg argument of like when, when baseball becomes less popular because of pay to play models, because of deindustrialization, because of, as this guy argued, possibly the war on drugs Mm -hmm. and incarcerating all these young black men who would have gone out and played catch with their kids in the eighties and never had the chance. So that removes the sport, right, a little bit from African-American culture and from society in urban areas and in areas affected by mass incarceration, which we know are black and brown families. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's this chicken-the-egg argument of then it becomes, it's not just those limitations, but it's also the fact that, like, now when I talk to my students who are predominantly black, like, most of them are not baseball fans. So it's like dad may be at home dad may be perfectly capable of playing catch with you he may even be a baseball fan but like within their friends and their family and like the people that surround them in in school day to day are not talking about the tigers game so it's like it's kind of conglomerated and like created this spiraling effect where now it's baseball's been removed from black culture in, in to what i've seen to an extent
2: right well let me let me open up a question here i think we're probably near the last word uh, Teresa's giving me be the nod that we are um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there and then you'll throw something out there I know like this is maybe it's not something that we need to bring back at some point because I think this is a topic that needs more discussion and um, I think we'll probably do awards baseball awards as a something we'll do so we'll talk about it then. Sure. but what something I want to open up for you is the Tigers for the better part of the last uh, decade have been take last two years aside so if you start the decade in 2016, from 2006 to 2016, the Tigers were easily one of the most competitive, best baseball teams in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? Agreed. Right. Right. They had no great African American players. They had, for individual Correct. seasons. Yes, they would have Austin Jackson put together a couple of well, years. Monument Park, the statues we they have outside are Al Kaline, guys. Yeah, yeah, all they do have Willie Horton. He's one of their statues. Okay, but, but, I mean, the Tigers are a pretty predominantly white history team. Say, uh, I mean, the Red Sox have, I mean, just off the top of my head. Red Sox, the Red
0: Sox were last to integrate. They're last to
2: integrate, but they have two, two recently retired players that were um, Hispanic. I mean, like Pedro Martinez and, sure. and David Ortiz have both been retired. And, uh, you know, the Yankees, I'm sure if you went through their history, like they're yeah. pretty well balanced. So my last, my past the closing thought to you on this is, um, in your mind, is it a problem for baseball? Like, do you see this as, as something that needs to be addressed? Do they need to be more out- outreach, do more outreach?
0: This is an interesting question. Cause I think baseball has a marketing problem in general. Um, and I think outreach to greater span of communities is is really important um i don't know if it's a problem for baseball as much as it's it's a it's a problem of access and a problem of 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 historical like um closure of those avenues for the people on the other end um because i think it's very clear and i we would i'm sure both agree on this that it's 100 percent clear to me that there is no like racial disposition towards a sport like if there were no societal constraints there's no reason that black people play less golf and more football there's no reason that white people love grabbing tennis rackets like those things have no basis in genetic fact so it's it's like a it's this cultural thing that's built over time and in golf it's very obvious you know african-americans being banned from country clubs for however long um in most it's parts of the today. US like damn near till today yeah. in many places um so it's clear why there's very few African American golfers in baseball it's some of the things that the clip we listened to talked about um that have a really historical basis and so like as I'm starting a baseball program at the high school I teach at it's it's really important to me just to be like y'all are going to love this sport too cuz it's fun just cuz it's fun like it's fun and it just is, and... hasn't been a part of your like upbringing people weren't talking about baseball around you for many kids for some kids yes but like we're gonna have a great time just like anyone else's so it's i don't think it's a problem i think it's something that hopefully does turn the tide though in the future because you want it to be a sport that that everyone can love because we love it it's fun
2: yeah yeah agreed um one last question here and i know teresa's giving me the the ending thing here Mm -hmm. and maybe i should just save this uh when you think of the face of historically baseball who do you think of Right off the top of your head.
0: Honestly, Babe Ruth.
2: Right really? I think of Jackie Robinson.
1: Would you please, for the love of God, and your own body, hold the
0: hammering. Um, ugh, this is tough, you know. Um, like we did in our first episode, I I regret to announce.
2: I regret to announce this is the end.
0: I regret to announce the retirement from all discourse, from from conversation, from humanity, and... I hope that you all take our lead when we ask you to respect this retirement as we move this this phrase and this kind of way of thought off into its days of, of golf outings and in silence. And funny but, pants. And funny pants, yes. But we regret to announce the retirement of coded language when talking about about why Detroit is scary or you should be safe or... Um, It might be kind of different there. Detroit. Um,
2: What's that like?
0: What's that like? So we are retiring coded language. We are asking people to speak their minds when they speak to us about Detroit. And when they, even more so than us, because we are transplants, when they speak to Detroiters about Detroit, to speak their minds so that we can call you out in a more genuine and straightforward way about how much of an asshole you are. Um,
2: Agreed. Agreed. Agreed.
0: 100%. and, And if you have thoughts about Detroit... Please reach out to us so that we can tell you ourselves that it is actually a really beautiful, great place not to do charity, but to live and love and laugh and that you should come by and say what's up. Yeah. And furthermore,
2: when we're talking about when we're talking about what you're talking about, but Detroit, we're talking about saying like, oh, I hear like downtown really revitalized and changed. Yeah. Actually, what we're talking about a little bit here is uh, gentrification by one man. And that man's name is Dan Gilbert. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't talk about, oh, it used to be so terrible downtown, and now it's so nice. I mean, yeah. I love the next cookie cutter Mexican restaurant next to the next person. Right. But you know, come on. I mean, they're making it comfortable for white people. They're not making it comfortable for anyone else, and a lot yeah. of black-owned business is being pushed out.
0: Yeah, I want to be able to ride my uh, reclining tandem bike up to the vegan cat store. Am I being called the, out? The 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 like just like the less Detroit and more people who feel comfortable in a certain setting with people with less melanin content in their uh, in their skin
2: so it's hundred percent true I think that uh, the the minute you get a five guys burger you know you've you've lost the the, the, the war on the war for the hearts and minds of Detroit is over
0: the, the five guys been in Greek town for a minute though
2: is it five guys I am mean, I think of something
0: else I think you're thinking of something else but uh, point made
2: point made. Anyway, so uh, we regret to announce that we are removing coded language when talking about Detroit from any future discourse or conversation.
0: Speak your mind, and we'll let you know what we think, too.
2: Now let's move on to our second and final topic of the day. Evan, what are we talking about?
0: So for our our second topic, we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to our hearts, Um, and that is the question of rivalries. Um, Not to be too repetitive from previous segments, but just that really basic thought of, like, Do rivalries enhance the popularity and compelling nature of sport? Yes, Um, fuck the Yankees. And you're you're getting to something that I really like. I think that's powerful, and I don't know if the crowd heard you, but um, I wanted to ask you about the Yankees. Fuck the Yankees. Okay, Um, so who do we root for?
2: Uh, We root for the Boston Red Sox.
0: Right, and how do we feel about the New York Yankees? Fuck the Yankees. Fuck the Yankees, indeed. Um, So we... We wanted to discuss, and maybe we're kind of playing our hand a little early, yeah. but um, there is a, another side to this argument. whether rivalries like are, are always a positive thing for sport, and, and if so, why, and what is it that that rivalry and like that passion adds to sport in the big picture again, because we got small brains, but we got big picks.
2: big picks, real big <laughs> picks. yeah. Um, I think that in general rivalries are really great for sports and and let me let me throw this out there uh that if you are just getting into a sport right neither of us have any idea of getting into hockey anytime soon i mean we'll throw hockey in here when we need to Mm -hmm. um but it's exciting for me when i went to a hockey game last year to hear about the original six or the whatever they call them the the original six franchises in hockey um, and that there's like a little rivalry between six teams, which is crazy because like it's not like baseball where rivalries are two sports. But it's like when the Red Wings play the Bruins, those are two of the original six teams. You there's, mean,
0: you mean the, the most exciting thing to talk about in hockey isn't the resurgence of
2: the Tampa Bay Lightning? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We'll bring Nelson on. We'll have our friend Nelson come on. Noted Tampa Bay fan and the only person I know besides Evan Longoria, and I know he's on the Giants, with a Tampa Bay credit card.
0: <laughs> oh, but sorry, continue um, your point.
2: Uh the point the point of it is is that I think uh, it's exciting when you have you when you feel like you're a part of history, right? So the Red Sox, I don't care if you're the guy I mean, let's just be honest, we're talking about Yankees fans here. I don't care that you're like the, the Fuck the Yankees, amen. Uh, I don't care if you're the guy that goes to the game with your with your suit jacket tucked into your pants because you don't <laughs> want to get the tails dirty on the on the dirty New York seats. Yeah, uh, you do feel like you're part of something, right? Mm-hmm. You're you don't know the players' names, and boy, Mookie Betts looks great, and uh, that guy, Giancarlo uh, Stam, Stammen, uh, right. is sure hits the ball far, um, and Brett Judge is great, too. Um, and I love going to the baseball games because you just feel the energy. But you do feel like you're part of something, even if you have no idea the what's ener- going the on.
0: The energy in a Red Sox Yankees game, the energy in a Celtics Lakers game, the energy in in those in a Michigan Michigan State football or basketball game. Fuck the football. energy in a USC UCLA college football game is is electric, and really is what being a fan of sport is at the end of the day all about. It's that energy. And it's that that kind of love, um,
2: and that's why everyone is quick to like announce this is the new whatever. The, how many times a year do you hear in any given sport this is the new Red Sox Yankees of whatever? You but, know, like you know, what you mean?
0: can't transcend it. There's just so much history, man. It takes a long time to build that, which is why there's so much in it. Because it's like typically it's my grandpa. I'm this big of a fan because I watched my father cry as a grown-ass man over Red Sox games. Like, yep. Because I watched like people be broken down who are grown men who wouldn't break down over anything, who you never see cry ever. And you hear stories of, like, I never saw my father cry. Not once. But when the Celtics won the NBA Finals in 2008... That man shed tears, real tears, and he was he was a refugee from so right, and so, right? Yeah, he, was he, in, he survived World he, War Two. Right, yeah. he's the only remaining <laughs> member of his extended family, and he never once cried until the Celtics won that 2008 NBA
2: Finals. That that's a that's a good one. I mean, I, you hear that you hear that abundantly with the Cubs, with mm-hmm. people. I mean, you talk right. the Red Sox now is, is 14 hey, years ago. My grandma
0: was was 103, and she remembers as a toddler when. You know the, the first cars were being introduced to the world, and the Cubs were were good. The best team in baseball, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a lot of exciting rivalries. I think that people throw that term out there too much, right? Mm-hmm. But we're talking we're talking about bona fide rivalries in sports. We're talking Cubs <clears throat> Cardinals. We're talking Red Sox Yankees. We're talking um, Celtics, Celtics Lakers, um, and we're talking about this, that. When you become a player and you join one side of this rivalry, rivalry, you are buying into something greater. So LeBron, villain, hero of 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 basketball, correct? But now that he's on the Lakers, you take his whole thing with Kyrie Irving, that whole weirdness that they have, mm-hmm. and it definitely renews that rivalry in a way that hadn't really been present in the last few years because the Lakers have been bad, or before that the Celtics were bad when mm-hmm. the Lakers were good. You know what I mean? They haven't both been good at for a while now. yes
0: I, I will say that i don't think that it re- we'll see how this year looks but i don't think it revives it in the same way because there's a thing and a lot of my friends are susceptible to this um they'll never listen to this so they won't hear me critique them so it don't matter but this there's a trend in the nba that is very nba specific of i don't follow teams i follow players and that is a lebron specific mentality mm-hmm. there are so many people who abandoned their team long ago to root for whoever LeBron goes with. It's a, it's it's a, a thing. thing. It's a thing. It can be a thing that's cool, but it does. Nothing to do with rivalries. Um, can I make my devil's advocate argument? Here, that's going to be the last word. Okay, devil's advocate argument. I think it works as a last word. Um, we want it. We want it to spread positivity. Sport is about positivity. It's about that passion, that love. It doesn't always have to be positivity. You know I like heckling just like the next guy possibly more usually more a lot more almost always a lot more um you could get a
2: job as a professional I, heckler we've
0: talked about contacting professional sports organizations to pay me to sit in the bullpen heckle relievers but that's a different whole deal um but um especially with college teams and drunk entitled college kids you do see a lot where rivalry gets taken too far it gets taken to a point mm-hmm. of hatred and kind of like a disgusting blind like I'm going to do mean shit to you because you're wearing a certain fucking color that has nothing to do with who the fuck you are. And at the end of the day, like, going to USC, I didn't have the same the same passion that I have for Boston, but I wouldn't do this to Boston either of, like, well, I'm not, well, if, well. I meet you, if I meet you at a dinner party and I find out you went to UCLA, I'm not going to genuinely hate you. on you. Yeah. Like, you're, you went to a fucking school and I went to his fucking school. Like, you root for the Yankees and, like, I hate you jokingly, but at the end of the day, like, I don't hate you. Like, it's a team choice, and it's a sport, and there are people who take it way too fucking far. So that, that shit needs to stay in, in you, fucking preschool. Would you
2: rather have a—oh, wait, 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 whoa, whoa. I'm your brother, so I can bring this shit up. Raise your hand if you brought in a, uh, a decapitated Derek Jeter bobblehead the day after the Red Sox eliminated the Yankees in 2004.
0: I, I did it. And I spoke on another episode about admitting your faults um, and moving on from them and growing from them. um, I stand by that action every single day. Um, And Riley Kevill, if you're not watching this, as you are not, but when you do, um, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Fuck Derek Jeter and fuck the Yankees. Fuck the Yankees. 2018, we're going to the World Series. Knock on wood. Let's do
2: it. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Teresa. Would you like to make your bold prediction.
1: I get to go first. Yes.
2: Wow. wow. Ladies first.
1: All right, my bold prediction, and this is a big one, boys. So, like, stay with me. Yeah. It will snow on or by Halloween.
2: Wow. Whoa. In one we can prove.
0: Yeah. It was, it was 37 when I got in, into my car yeah. yesterday. That it was that was in Lansing though. No, no, when I got into my car at 6 a.m. here.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, it yeah. could happen. It could
0: happen.
1: It, could it happen. feels like it. I'm from Rochester. It snows, so I know what it's all about. Uh, yeah, so that's my bold prediction.
0: Senses. All right. Evan? Um, my bold prediction is that the Los Angeles Lakers roster, um, re-newfangled Los Angeles Lakers roster with LeBron James, will have, by Christmas, at least five different names on it. Um, they're... As soon as stuff gets weird, and I think LeBron's going to be phenomenal in LA. But as soon as stuff gets weird with this ridiculous roster they put together, there will be pieces flying like like a jigsaw board at a at a place that doesn't like jigsaw boards.
2: Mm. Canada,
0: like Ren- like pre- weed Canada,
2: like pre- weed
0: Saskatchewan.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my bold prediction is that the biggest movie at the twenty. 20- Nineteen. this will be for this year, the 2019 Oscars will be the yet unmade remake, reboot of Indian in the Cupboard. You heard it here first. Mm -hmm. All right. So thank you so much for uh, watching, listening. If you uh, like what you hear, if if you don't like what you hear, but you think we're kind of neat guys and gal, please uh, smash the like button like that smash button. Subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah
0: yeah thanks for coming um listen up stay tuned we'll we'll be talking to you soon
2: i'll be there same teresa bye uh buenos noches amigos Hi.
1: cool shane says
2: bye too <laughs> cool shane says hey do no, i know his mom <laughs> all right guys let's brought, go watch this damn game guys
1: okay. i brought some orange slices for us I brought to some all orange <laughs>